Over the past 20 years, I've been asked by sales professionals that very same question, no matter what industry they're in, no matter how long they've been doing sales, what's the part of the prospect or what's the part of the sales process that you like least? When I ask them that, they all say the same thing prospecting. So in today's episode, I'm going to give you three parts of a prospecting process that you that will really change how you do prospecting forever. So stay tuned. I'm Merit Khan, and I'm going to tell you about it in this episode of The Smarter Sales Show. You are listening to The Smarter Sales Show, where sales challenges are solved with tech and technique, so you can sell more and stress less. Please welcome your hosts, sales experts and funny ladies, Merit Khan and Julie Holmes. Welcome to the Smarter Sales Show, the weekly tech tips and technique tune-up for everyone who sells, whether they want to or not, and with a special focus on virtual selling. I'm Julie Holmes, and every week I'll share cool sales tech with you that will help you to sell smarter. And I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Merit Khan, who will give you specific sound bites and sales techniques so that you can stress less and get into action. We're continuing our series of four episodes on prospecting. This four pack, right now we're on an episode focused on cool tools and tech um, that we are going to share with you from a technique perspective. Before we get started, you should know that we pack a ton of bonus content into every single episode and we put all of that content on a resources page free, yes, free to you. Um, so click on the link in the show notes or in the attachment section, depending on where you're viewing this awesome bit of content. And if you're watching us on the internet TV's sales expert channel, just watch for it in the description in the comments. Ready, set, let's get smarter in sales. Let's do it. Absolutely. I think this is one of those topics that Everybody asks me all the time, right? They they know that they have to do prospecting. They want to talk to prospects. They're always concerned about what do I say? Like, um, you know, last week in in the episode where you focused on technology, we we saw we learned about so many cool tech tools that we could use to help make prospecting easier. But all of that just opens the door. And then once you're there, what do I say? Right. That's... Oh, do you have the answer for that? Because that is the answer that I have been looking for. <laughs> I didn't know you had the holy grail of prospecting, Merritt. I'm in. Sign me up. I do. I have the holy grail. But first, there's <laughs> two questions that need to get answered before you go to the what do I say part. And here's the problem with that, because, well, the problem with getting too focused on what do I say as the first step is that we might create a wrong message. We might, you know, if we're not really clear about who we're going after, who's the ideal prospect, then we're probably going to miss the mark and just talk a little bit more in generalizations as opposed to the specificity that an ideal prospect needs to really identify that we are a good match. And the second problem is, um, well, let me ask you this, Julie. <clears throat> How do you feel about starting projects that don't have an end to them? Oh my gosh, it's awful. It's <laughs> never done. It's a bit like cleaning my house. Right, exactly. It's hard to get excited to clean my house because it's like, it's just never ending. Yeah. Not my house, but I just mean the stuff that needs to be cleaned. I got, I got you. I got you. Yeah. That's how I feel about my basement. So, you know, it's like that place where everything just gets thrown into the basement. Mm. And then one day, someday I will deal with that. And 
that is actually never going to happen. It's one of those projects that just doesn't have an end. And as human beings, we like completion. So when you look at prospecting, let's face it, there's always one more prospect to add to the pipeline. There's always one more call to make, one more dollar to chase. Mm -hmm. So if we constantly feel like it's never enough, it's really hard to get started. So that's where we kind of have to manage our mindset a little bit. And I'm going to give you a, a strategy that I use to do exactly that so that you do know when enough is enough. And that's really um, the two things that we need to consider before we even touch. What do you say? Okay. Know when enough is enough. All right. What's the secret sauce to knowing when enough is enough? Well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to just, I'm going to do the other piece first. So I want to talk. Oh oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Now you're teasing me. Okay. Okay. I know. I'm so excited with when's enough enough. Hold that thought. But first I want to tell you a little bit about how do you know who is really the ideal prospect, right? So the thing is that um, it, the more you know about who your best prospects are, the easier it will be to speak directly to their concerns. And when you're thinking about what, how much is enough, you know, when is enough enough, because you're very specific about your ideal prospect, you'll know exactly where to go using the tools that you taught us last week. And you probably need fewer prospects in your pipeline because you're more targeted. So that's why who is the right person and when's enough enough, the two things that you want to do before we talk about what do we say. So yeah. And I think, I think it's worth mentioning, Merritt, that at least in my experience, and I guess I'd be interested to hear if you have the same, if you have the same experience as well, which is that while people say that they know who their ideal prospect is, they're really speaking generally. Like I generally know who might be interested in my product. And I'm a bit like you, like I'm going to cut every person from my list long before I call them. Like if I only have energy to call 10 people, then they had better be the 10 most perfect people ever. Yes, that's a great point, right? Because we don't have endless time and we don't have endless energy. So let's stop wasting it on people that really aren't our ideal prospects. Now there's two, well, there's three, but let's focus on two ways that you can really identify your ideal prospects right out of the gate. So there's demographics, right? And that's fairly, that's the low hanging fruit. That's the obvious one, right? Things like geography and age or uh, education level, things like Company size, sure. Exactly. Revenues, all of that demographics. Then there's uh, what we call psychographics. That's going to be more like, what do they value? What are their attitudes? What are their- oh, I love psychographics. I just want to stop you there because I'm just like, I'm chuckling on the inside. You know, like I would admit that some of my prospects in the past have definitely felt very psycho. <laughs> All right, there we go. That was my throwaway joke for the show. All right, I'll behave now. Okay, psychographics, yep. Psychographics. Now, psychographics are important because there's a very big difference between two people that can look very similar from a demographic standpoint. For example, let's say my neighbor- is also an entrepreneur, business owner, an amazing looking 50 year old woman. Um, you know, like, let's just wow, say nice neighborhood, right? You don't you want to move in? Um, but so let's just say demographically, we look the same, okay. you know, graduated from a similar school, similar degrees, right? Now on my back deck, 
I enjoy taking my yoga mat, not, not when we have three feet of snow like we do today in Denver, but sometimes in the summer, I'll take my yoga mat on my back deck and, and I'll do my meditation where she might be having a wild barbecue for 50 people on her back deck. We, have, we may look the same from a demographic standpoint, but our values, our habits, our interests are different. Okay. And so what we want to do when we're really looking for our ideal prospects is start to look, peel back some of those layers and look for some of those things in that psychographic category that distinguishes somebody as a much better prospect than just the typical demographic things. So I look for, you know, if you're going to enroll in sales training programs or things like that, I need you to be open-minded. So how might I distinguish a, a prospect who is open-minded from one who thinks they know it all. Well, mm. open-minded people listen to podcasts, open-minded people read blogs, open-minded people attend seminars and educational events, right? So okay. I'm going to do my best prospecting, fishing in those ponds where people who think like my prospects gather. Okay. And if you're, if you're, if you're selling B2B merit, are you looking for the psychographics of a single person or are you looking at the psychographics of a team or a leader? Like when you've got a bigger organization, how does that fit in? Okay. That is a great question because um, individuals are very hard to predict, but groups are extremely easy. Huh. So we want to group our, our prospects into, um, into some uh, some like cohorts. Yeah. Cohort. Perfect word. So if we can identify that, you know, all, you know, people who listen to uh, sales teams that go, I don't know, that use these specific kinds of tools and technology in their business are also going to be good prospects for us. And I think you even mentioned that in last week's yeah. episode that last week's episode. Yep. So that's an example of, you know, a cohort is using these kinds of tools. They're going to these kinds of events. They're reading these kinds of books. They're following these kinds of influencers. Those, okay. that, those are some different ways that you can identify the, the psychographics of a group. And it's easier to market to a group because there's always going to be that outlier individual within a group. And that's going to be a little harder to find. Okay. So is it kind of like an if then? So if X, Y, you know, if so-and-so likes this, they'll like me. Exactly. If, if they buy this, they'll buy my stuff. Exactly. Right. Amazon okay. does that to us all the time. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. People who bought this? And it works. Yeah, it surely, it surely does. There's one other thing that you want to consider when you're really looking at your ideal prospects, and that is a trigger event. And we actually are going to be talking about this, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about this in next week's episode with our amazing guest uh, uh, interview, Sam Richter, who looks at specific prospecting event or trigger events and helps us identify through a technology solution how we can find companies that are our ideal prospects based on certain trigger events like a promotion to a, you know, somebody got promoted to sales director, somebody's looking to yeah. hire, you know, new salespeople. Great. Those are trigger events. And if we've got a product or service that speaks to that event, then we know that's going to be an ideal prospect. So the other thing is, you know, sometimes 
ideal prospects are situational. So somebody might not be an ideal prospect for me all the time, but I might have one offer that based on a trigger event makes somebody an ideal prospect for a defined period of time while they're going through that trigger event. So for example, they're, you know, they just opened a new office, uh, let's say a new warehouse, and they need to hire a lot of people. They need to staff up for a specific location. And I'm a staffing agency. I'm good. That's a trigger event for a defined period of time. At some point, that's not going to be an ideal prospect because they've, they've fit completed the event that had them be a good prospect for me. Now, then they're going to move on. Right. So That's a great point, Merritt, because if I think about a lot of the industries that you and I work with, real estate professionals, um, insurance brokers, um, yeah, financial advisors, like all of those could definitely be leveraging trigger events, you know, whether that's relocation, whether that's, um, you know, having a child, whether that's retirement, right? Those are all trigger events. Exactly. Exactly. (sighs) And you're going to go through those kinds of things like you, they're they have a beginning, middle, and an end. So you know how to speak to somebody who's dealing with some frustrations during that kind of a uh, period of time. Got it. That's really, really good. Okay. So I think that's awesome, right? So we've got kind of three things that we should be looking at when it comes to deciding who our prospects are, but you know, it'd be really helpful as part of that. What? Having a place to put it all, <laughs> which is why why we love our sponsor for this four pack, which is Speaker Flow CRM. Okay, that was totally yeah, shameless. That was, this is that totally was shameless. Good. But it was like a decent segue, really. No, in all seriousness, because <laughs> that is exactly the kind of information that you and I capture in our CRM system. We both use Speaker Flow CRM. Obviously, we're fans. Um, but I think that is, you know, when it comes to the tech that will help you keep track of all of those triggers and for you to be able to monitor and capture them. I think that's brilliant. And particularly for prospecting, and this is one of the things that we used our CRM for, was when I had business development or have business development resources who are doing outbound calls for me and working like that, then I have set up special fields in my CRM where those biz dev resources can actually track what's happening with each one of those prospects and flag those triggers. So shout out to SpeakerFlow CRM awesome sauce. And of course, there's a link for that. Um, And uh, we're really grateful for them sponsoring us and encourage you to check that out if you are a solopreneur. While it's built for speakers, the concepts remain the same regardless of what kind of technology you use. So make sure you're leveraging your CRM when it comes to prospecting. Back to you, Merit. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you. And, and actually, it's such a good segue because one of the other tools that uh, SpeakerFlow CRM offers, and it's a free resource on their site, and I believe we also have it in our, uh, on our free resources page for this four-pack on, on prospecting, they have a tool um, called a revenue calculator. And mm-hmm. this brings me into a nice, a nice tie-in for uh, message number two, which is how do you know when is enough enough or when is enough enough, right? Got my pen at the ready. Please tell me that I can stop. Yes. Okay. So the first thing is you want to go to this revenue tool. Now their tool is again, it's built for speakers. So it's based on, you know, what is your speaking fee and how many events do you want to do? Look, you can modify that so that their automated tool gives you the numbers that you need. And just think about it. What's your average deal size and things like that. And you'll be able to use this free resource that they have. Now, um, the, so 
we talked about never-ending tasks are hard to start. So knowing where your finish line is, you want to track your progress, and also you want to be able to celebrate your forward movement. Now, your the 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 philosophy that I have followed for twenty plus years is called the rule of four fifties. Okay. All right. Start your pens. The rule of four fifties. Now. This is just going to be average. You might have better closing ratios in one area and not, not as good in another area, but as a general rule, the rule of 450s is a great place to start. So I want to start with, um, imagine 50% of the leads that I put in at the top of my pipeline are going to listen to my pitch, right? Okay. 50% is, is just going to even hear my little elevator pitch. 50% of the ones who listen to the pitch will set an appointment. 50% of the one of the people who set an appointment will advance to a real opportunity. And then 50% of those real opportunities will turn into money. So that's the rule of 450s, pitch, appointment, opportunity, money. And when you think about, so you can think about it from a couple of different angles, right? You can say, okay, how much money do I wanna make this year? Well, I want to, I know that if my average deal is, let's say, let's say my, let's say I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. Um, okay. Now I'm about to do math on the fly. This may not work well, but let's well, say I've already I, done the math for the numbers. So I'll do your math. Okay. Let's say I want to make a hundred thousand um, dollars. I need to, and, and, it, and my average deal is $10,000. So I need 10 prospects. I need 10 clients. So that means I need 20 to be at the opportunity stage. I need 40 appointments and I need 80 to listen to the pitch. Did I get those Which numbers Which means right? you need 160 prospects. Exactly. Because that first 50, maybe it's the rule of five fifties, but that first level is. Well, that's your hundred. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. So when you look at it like that, most of the time when I go through that exercise with clients, what they first experience is that, is that sense of relief. Like, yeah, wait, there's an end to it. Like all I need is 160 on the top and then my numbers work out. Yeah, pretty much. Um, wow. the, right. And it, so it gives you a little sense of calm. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just think about it, right. 160, Right. And I'm not, maybe I'll try and do the math, but like, okay, let's just say that you've got 160 and I'm literally breaking out my phone right now because, you know, like I'm not going to do this and get it wrong and then have people message me. But basically that's, that's just three a week. Right. That's, and, and if I take some vacation, right. Not that anybody who's in sales ever really goes on vacation, but let's just say for the sake of argument that we take four weeks off a year, that's still just 3.3 a week. Like, so if I bring in four, if I add four prospects into my list, into my funnel, I only have to convert two of those every week to, I only have to get two people to listen to my pitch every week. And then the numbers just work out, man, my, my, okay. I'm just going to, my mind's a little blown by that. That's amazing. Now, um, here's why I like that revenue, uh, calculator that speaker flow guys put together because it allows you to make adjustments. So you can play with it. Like maybe you want to look and see how many prospects would I need if my average deal was $5,000 instead of 10. Yeah. Or 
$20,000 instead of 10, right? So you can, you can slide the numbers and play with things a little bit so that you can look at different scenarios and then you can see what's realistic based on your timeline and how much time and energy and maybe how many prospects really are in the world that you are serving. Maybe you're super, super niched. But it's, it's a good way to feel like there's a finish line to your prospecting. And I think it's really hard to get started with prospecting. It's a mindset game. And we're defeated before we start when it feels like it's a never-ending task. Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Genius. Okay. Well, thanks. So the, other re- the, the one other reason why knowing when enough is enough is so important before you go on to creating your messaging is because you're more likely to add the specificity to your messaging when you have discovered for yourself that you don't need everyone on the planet who can fog a mirror, right? So (laughs) the the great, I'm just going to take that visual with me when I go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, when, when, cause a lot of us, you know, we're in sales, we love our products and services. We really want to help people. That's why we're in this profession. And we really do think that our stuff can help a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with that. But when the world mm. is your, is your ideal target, it's really hard to speak that to them in the language that will have them recognize that yeah. they can benefit from your offers you know, it's not a matter so much of why of us knowing that we're perfect for them. It's about them discovering that we can help. And yeah. the only way that they'll do that is with the specificity of message. So that's that's point number three, which is really getting clear on a meaningful message. And that's, again, the part that everybody wants to start with. But I, I promise you, promise you, if you do those first two parts first, you'll craft a better message. So get clear on who's ideal, get clear on how much is enough enough, is, is enough. Why can't I even say that? Well, get clear on when is enough enough. Whew. Not to be confused with eight is enough, which was a <laughs> well, very, uh, yeah, 1980s <laughs> lives on. Go on. Well, it turns out that eight wasn't enough because now we have all these other shows with all the 16 kids and the 20. 20- oh yeah, that's true. So who knew? I think I preferred the non-reality version better. Agreed. Agreed. So this, let's talk about figuring out the meaningful message. So, you know, you have to make sure that your message cuts through all that prospecting clutter. And for it to do that, your message has to have meaning to your prospects. Now, how many times have you heard people say, um, like, I'll, I'll give you two examples of how I might introduce myself if we were, whether we were at a, an in-person networking event or, you know, I'm, I'm introducing myself over email or a podcast or whatever it is, right? All the different yep. ways we introduce ourselves. If I say to you, um, my name is Merritt, I'm, uh, I co-host a podcast, The Smarter Sales Show, I love what I do, I work, with, I have a great co-host, we just... We love working with salespeople. We've been doing this for a while. You know, I mean, it's right. That's like, (laughs) who is it about? It's all about me. And, And you can't connect with that. You have no, there's nothing in it for you in that context. But if I say, um, my name is Merritt, I'm co-host of the Smarter Sales Show. I, 
you know, every week we are doing episodes that save sales professionals, business owners, entrepreneurs from all kinds of sales frustrations. Like they, you know, they're so good at what they do, but it should be easier to close deals. And in this virtual world, everything's different now and they're frustrated. You know, I don't know if that's your situation, but this, this show would be for you, right? That's a much different way. Mm-hmm. Now they can see themselves in that message and now they know to tune into the show. Yeah. So an example, see your message only matters if it's meaningful to them. So going back to the rule of 450s, if we want to go from all the, you know, the 160 in the pipeline to the 80, we need to hear our pitch we've got to get, that's that first piece. That's the messaging that's going to get them to listen to the, the offer that you have. And so the, the key here is, first of all, don't try to pretend you're not making a sales call when you're making a sales call. <laughs> I'm just calling to see how you're doing, Merritt. I just, we've never spoken before, but I'm just super concerned about your welfare. <laughs> right. Yeah. Eh, no pass. Don't do that. Um, that's just cheesy. And they see right through it. So all of the old school thing, you know, I'm going to be in your areas Tuesday or Thursday better. Like that doesn't even make any sense. You're going to be in my area twice. What's the urgency? Like, n- like we, we kind of jumbled up all these like old ways of cutting, you know, getting to a, a prospect's attention and they don't make sense together and they, they don't work. So my rule of thumb is always be straight up honest. Like if I am yeah. literally making cold calls, I will literally say, Hey, I'm making a cold call. I don't, you know, I could tell you in 60 seconds why I'm calling. If you want to hang up after that, you know, that, you know, do you want to hang up now? And they'll laugh because it's different and it's honest. And most yeah. of them will just listen to the pitch. Now, if my, if I take that precious glorious gift of a moment in their attention. And I say some nonsense, like I run a podcast that, you know, is fun, that's fun to do. I've lost it. But if I take that golden opportunity and I connect with something specific to what's important to them, and I'm clear about not just the demographics, but the psychographics, then I have an opportunity to close them for the next step, which is just, I just want an appointment. So I think, you know, prospecting, you know, I'm looking at it from the context of cold prospecting. And we talked in other episodes about reaching out to people who are, you know, are maybe you've done business within the past or their current clients, and you're literally prospecting for future opportunities within an existing relationship. That's another way of prospecting. But there too, the same rules apply in that you have to talk about what's meaningful to them. So if I was talking with an existing client and I want to upsell or, or expand the relationship, um, I might say, you know, a lot of people that, you know, we've been working together for a while and I love our relationship. I'm so glad I've been able to help you. And thank you for all the compliments on, you know, this project that we've been doing. Mm. Um, you know, and a lot of people that we started with uh, doing similar project went on to do these other things. You know, they got to this point, they really had a lot of success and then they were ready for this next level. And I'm wondering, are you open to oh, a, love it. a conversation about some of the other things that we do that might really help you um, advance with what's important to you? 
Yeah, I think um, I actually want to take us back just a couple of minutes, Merritt, because you said something that I had not really thought about. And I might have known at one point or have you know forgotten because this is the challenge with sales, right? This is why we always have to be refreshing our sales skills. But you know, you said that, you know, on this first call, your goal is just to get them to listen to the pitch and then to maybe make an appointment. Yes. Right. And I think that's really interesting. And that's another benefit of this um 450s is that all you have to do is get them to the next stage. Like it takes a huge amount of pressure off to go, look, I'm not trying to actually sell to everybody I get on the phone. That's actually not what I'm trying to do. I'm actually just trying to get them to the next stage. Right. Which is really, you know, that's just a qualifier, right? Because when I, when I initially start my prospecting at the top of the funnel, I actually don't know if we're a good match to do business together. And there might be a variety of reasons. Um, So, you know, trigger events being one of those reasons, you know, maybe they've, they're on the heels of some big trigger event I'm calling in, you know, on this date and two weeks from now, they've got a big thing and that's going to make us not a good match for a defined period of time, but maybe at some point later we are. So I, I think, you know, my mindset is always, and I'm always encouraging my clients, you know, just go in with a real curiosity rather than an objective, like, and you're closing for an appointment to have a conversation to really qualify or disqualify that as an opportunity, because you don't know yet if you're a good fit. You don't know yet that you should or shouldn't do business together. So it's just little, little steps. You know, what do you think, Merritt, if sales leaders were to actually start to keep track of qualified and unqualified? Like I could imagine that that would actually be really good for a sales team to be, you know, not treating them as prospects that have fallen out of the pipeline, but prospects that have been actively qualified out of the pipeline. That like that is an accomplishment as much as qualifying in is qualifying out. What do you think? I think so. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I mean, you've heard a hundred different times in different ways, like, you know a no is your one no closer to the yes and all of that. Mm -hmm. I think we don't track that. It's an interesting idea to really track that um, deliberately. Uh, What I do know, I mean, back, I think about, you know, back in the days when I was a sales manager, managing a a whole sales force of a radio station. And um, every week I would have meetings with my sales reps and we would talk about, you know, how many calls they made and how many of those turned into appointments. And so we would go through this rule of 450s. And what that allowed me to do as a manager was adjust my coaching so that was really applicable for them. So I knew if their numbers were off, if they were having, if they were doing a lot of pitches and weren't getting at least 50% turning into appointments, there was something wrong with the pitch. If they were getting, Uh, but they weren't turning into opportunities, they weren't really either they either two steps back, right? Either they weren't calling on the right people to begin with, but you know, if they weren't turning into opportunities, it's more likely something about that qualify or disqualify step that wasn't quite smooth yet. And then if yeah. they were, you know, opportunities, but they didn't turn into clients, well, is that a money issue? Is that a decision maker issue? Right. So it allowed me as a manager or director to better coach 
each individual based on looking at the real data. And I think that's a real, you know, otherwise we're just going off, you know, how a salesperson feels about how that call went or if that, how they feel about how much prospecting they're doing. But if you're not tracking that with actual data, you have absolutely no idea. Oh, we always feel like we're doing more than we actually are. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, this has been a cracker of an episode, Merritt. You should be feeling very smug right now because you and I talk about sales all the time and and I listen to you. I do, I swear I do. But this particular episode has been a real eye-opener for me. Like a real like, wow, like, oh, I never thought about it that way. And dang, I need to get back to some of these basics, even though like you, right? I've been, you know, in this game for a long time. Um, not, not that long because we're still quite young, but long enough, but here's my winner for this. I mean, I'm still, I'm still reeling. Like I'm still leaning back and thinking, we can't see my arms across when I'm thinking about this, that, that four fifties thing is genius, really, really genius. And in fact, you know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do for you, Merritt. I'm actually going to make a Google sheet. Um, when we finish this episode, and I'm going to put it into our resources for everybody so that if you wanted to go in and play with your own 450s, um, you can, you can just put in like your number down at the bottom and I'll, I'll set it up so that you can put in what's your average deal size and how much do you want to earn? And then I'll have it calculate back up and tell you what you should be doing every week. Um, yeah. So look, a little tech there, a little tech there to make it all fancy schmancy for you, because that is absolute pure genius. And I, do you have a challenge that you want to set? Because mine would be like, dang, go figure out your 450s, everybody. But what would your challenge be to everybody, Merritt? I'm good with that. I really am good with that. I think, you know, it's it's the, the three pieces are know who your ideal target is. Like really get clear on that. Get clear on when is enough enough and use the spreadsheet that Julie is about to create. Amazing. And then work on your messaging and making sure that message speaks to their pain. Use an emotional word, frustration, overwhelm, you know, like fed up. That's how your prospect will relate to the message that you share. Well, and I will, you know what, again, I'll add to the resources, my favorite power words website, because I love, these are called power words, right? And you can trigger a lot of emotions through power words. And one of my favorite power words websites, which is from Optin Monster, um, actually has um, power words all broken down by what emotion you're trying to trigger. Are you trying to trigger greed or sloth, which means like, oh, easy. I mean, it's really fun to go and have a look at these power words. So I'll put that resource out there too. So, uh, you know, allow me an hour, everybody. Power words. Got it writing down on my list of things to do. But that's a great resource anytime you're doing an email or a call or whatever. It's awesome. So that kind of teases up then for next week, because here's the power word for next week. Awesome easy, mind-blowing, top secret, super technifying, because next week we have an amazing interview with our friend, Sam Richter, who is widely known as a sales prospecting genius. He is awesome. He is the creator of the sales Intel engine. And as you are going to walk away, some serious tips that are not only going to help you prospect easier and understand how to prospect easier, but you know, you can also kind of hear about some technology that can help you do it too. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a, client of Sam. So I use Sam's technology and um, it is brilliant. And I'm so excited about this conversation that we're going to have with him because it's awesome. And he's a super great guy to boot. Absolutely. And we would love to hear 
from you. We, um, we would love to hear what questions you have that you would like us to answer on future episodes of the show. So once we're uh, done with next week's episode with Sam, we're, that's going to wrap up our four pack on prospecting. And then we're going to talk about relationships and long distance relationships and virtual relationships. And uh, we would love to know what questions do you have about how to build strong virtual relationships uh, in today's day and age? Um, what's working for you? What's not? So let's let's get uh, let's get you involved, and we will answer your questions. And also, we'd love to uh, we'd love to hear your reviews of the show. Give us that five star rating. To connect with us on LinkedIn, and definitely don't forget to grab that free resources content that we put into the show notes and the attachments um, on Bright Talk. As always, if you are looking uh, to ask us some specific questions or if you're wanting to know how you can work with us, because we get that question a lot as well. So maybe you need a tech tune up for your sales team or you need some amazing sales training or even just a bit of laughter and motivation um, for an in-person live sales kickoff event, whatever it is, if you want to bring all or part of the Smarter Sales Show to your team, then drop us a note. You can contact us at hello at thesmartersalesshow.com. And you can check out our website, also thesmartersalesshow.com, because that's how the internet works. It's super fancy like that. <laughs> well, that's it for today's episode. So you have two Two action items. Number one, um, register right now for next week's episode so you don't miss that uh, interview with Sam. And number two, no more excuses. Now get started on that prospecting. It's great. I'm Julie Holmes. And I'm Merritt Khan. And you've been listening to The Smarter Sales Show. See you next time. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday to The Smarter Sales Show. If you want a tech and technique solution to your sales challenge, send an email to hello at thesmartersalesshow.com. And don't forget to check out the show notes. If you'd like a transcript of today's show with links to the tools we mentioned during the episode, as well as reminders when the episodes are released, please visit our website and subscribe to our email updates at thesmartersalesshow.com.